Hi there. Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. Or is it Car Talk? You get to decide at the end of the show. This is our weekly show where we give you two to three interesting tech stories, a lot more than two today. And we get you on your way in about 20, 25 minutes. Today, I've got our newest branch manager for Broward County Library, Selena. How are you doing? Hi, Bob. It's good to see you. Uh, yes, I'm new to the Imperial Point branch and the Gold Ocean Mile Reading Center, who are, they're both actually located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah. And, and, and Selena was big here at Main Library. If you've ever seen any of the other broadcasts we've done, she's done lots of things from Main Library here previously. So thank you for taking time. Yeah. Two branches at the same time. They're small, but they're still, there's a lot of stuff going on. So thank you for taking the time out for us today. Uh, we'll get to what you guys are doing out there, but Today's stories are really different. So our first one is all about private companies landing on the moon. Uh, maybe you heard about the um, private spacecraft from Japan that was trying to land on the moon on uh, Tuesday. It landed in lots and lots of pieces, apparently. So that's not such a great thing. Did you watch that landing, Selena? Uh, no, but that sounds very expensive and traumatic. <laughs> it was extremely expensive. Um, it took them five months for it to get there because they were, you know, doing as much as they could for uh, how things would work. And it just something went wrong upon landing uh, in the last couple of kilometers. Uh, it lost its way. So space is hard. Um, but it still brings up the idea of they would have been only the fourth people. How do you want to phrase it? The United States, Russia, and China have landed on the moon and done things. They were trying to be the first private company to do it. This wasn't like the country of Japan putting a satellite out there. This was just a private company out of Japan launching this little satellite right here and dropping it on the moon to start mining and start establishing things and give the now one of the good things they're going to give the data back to NASA so that we would know get more information know when the Artemis missions start landing out there from NASA what to expect Who do you think should be in control of those mines up there? That's a very interesting question because um, basically, you know, space, no one's really claimed it. It's international territory, kind of like international waters. Yep, That's it is. Analogy a, I can really there think is of. an official moon treaty yeah. signed by many countries, not all, but most countries, but not any companies. Yeah. And it just shows you also, too, how expensive and challenging space is that we still don't have yeah. um, enough good technology that's would make for safe space travel. You know, so it's it's very really telling that only what three countries got yeah. the resources and the, and the science and technology to send people to the moon. And then yep. this, you know, for profit corporation did it. But it was, you know, with some problems. Now, did they say in the article or the news story that you read that, um, did they actually get, were they actually, was it able to repair itself? Not yet. Okay. Um, they are in the middle of still trying to get the final telemetry information to see 
what possibly happened as it was uh, in the final moments of descent and why it failed. Um, some there guesses because there was no there was no people, right? It was like no, no, no people, okay. no people, no nothing. Good. It's just thank goodness, no, yeah. Um, but so here, just so you know, why I thought this was still an important story to do, regardless whether they make it made that landing or not. Here's a listing of 11 more already planned private trips within the next two and a half years going out through 2026 of companies that are already building their satellite, building their rovers, building the stuff to land privately on the moon. So this is happening. Yeah. And, and, I, and actually I'm kind of, I'm yeah. scared about this because I have deep concerns about it because NPR was reporting about uh, waste in space uh -huh. There's all this dangerous waste in space floating around that could damage other space shuttles and satellites and oh, yeah. drones. Yeah. So I think we need to, everyone needs to come together in the national community and figure out what we're going to do with the space waste. Um, we wish. Floating around. I wish. And um, that, yeah. And that's, that's the planet you, and the moon. <laughs> yeah. And you make an ex excellent point because this isn't something like the United States gets to decide. This is not something that the United States and Russia gets together and decides. This is you've got all these private companies that have to also agree to these rules and figure out what you're going to do and who's going to do it, one, where, how. Um, yeah, it's not. If you want some more information about this, and as always, our show notes are in, are there in the in the um, comments for you, so you can go follow these links. But uh, the number two link that I put in there for you just now is a podcast called Make Me Smart, and they did an episode just last week on the econ economy in space. It's all about economics, and it's talking about this exact problem. So it's a good another 30-minute listen um, to talk to some experts about how much are we actually spending, what's the return on investment, and stuff like that for being on the moon. So when you get a chance to go listen to it. It's and fun. I think I've, and also Bob, I think I've, I've seen articles and documentaries where they talk about some of the technology that they use in space could be used for underwater exploration because environments yep. are very hostile to human life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is one of the things. Yeah, the, the planet's pretty big. We haven't even explored the whole planet yet. So take a look and go see what you can find here on this planet before we start trying to figure out how to live on Mars. It's harder to live in the bottom of the ocean than it is on Mars. Let's figure that one out first. And then we get to car talk. So, Selena, are you into cars? Uh, yes, I have a Toyota Corolla because it has excellent. low gas mileage. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And it's cheap. <laughs> well, that's a very good thing. So we have a whole but one, two, three, four, five stories today just about cars, whether they are self-driving or electric. So we're not going to cover everything about all of these articles. I do want you to follow those links because there's some really behind the scenes, nuts and bolts stuff about this. First up is driverless cars. So San Francisco is living in the driverless car, robotic car, however you want to phrase it, world now, uh, starting earlier this year, late last year, they stopped requiring drivers in the car. So since 2018, they've been having these cars out in the field doing their stuff, but there was a human practice 
preparedness driver, I think is how they called them, uh, to just to be just in case anything goes wrong. Well, they've driven millions of miles like that. There hasn't been anything going wrong except for that one famous company that begins with a T. Um, and so they are moving forward with these, driving fully autonomously, but it doesn't always work out the way you want. Did you like this one about the fog? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I'm still kind of nervous about this um, self-driving cars. Why? I'm but just nervous about it because weather conditions... Yeah, exactly. So during it, so the the quick, the quick, super quick about this article is one of the complaints some residents had was we had really dense fog and the cars stopped. And it's like, yes, humans should be smart enough to stop. It's really dense fog. You can't see to drive. You should stop. And so the smart, maybe smarter cars actually did stop. And people were pissed off about it. Like, why are you making me stop? I wanted to keep driving in dangerous conditions. And it's like, <laughs> this is why we need these cars. <laughs> no, no, no. When this car stopped, was it on the side of the road? Yeah, I know. They pull oh, over to the okay. side of the road and they stop. Okay. Except that and they make some comments, you know, and hear about how often that sometimes there'll be so many of these cars, it'll actually cause a traffic jam of just driverless cars trying to get off the road because like all four traffic, you know, all four parking spots will be taken up. By the way, if anybody hears that rumbling behind us, uh, they are practicing for the Fort Lauderdale Air and Sea Show down here. So both Selena and I have the Blue Angels flying overhead every five to ten minutes. It's and you're, fun. I think you're even closer to it than I am. But oh, they circled. They circled around the building, and one of the bombers went over. And, yeah. Oh my gosh, I, it's, I bet it was very loud. Yeah, it's oh, it's it's loud. Your building's sometimes. very tall. <laughs> yeah. The main library is like eight floors. <laughs> yep. So this whole idea of these cars out there driving and doing, and the key problem is, will you accept getting into a car that doesn't have a driver in it? There's a steering wheel, but that's it. And there's no way for you to sit in that steering wheel spot. You're sitting in the back seat and it's just taking you from place to place. I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I want them to test a little bit more. <laughs> I'm not quite ready yet. How many millions of miles are going to make you feel better? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just afraid. What if the computer, you know, in the car decides it wants to do an update, you know, in the middle well, of the road. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you would have to be very good about, scheduling the updates when the car yes, was not yes, in yes, use. Yes. Yeah. And they have. I mean, there have not been any of those issues. Those I don't know. Issues. I just, None, been working, no reported ones like that. I mean, I don't know. My experience with technology is it's kind of buggy sometimes and things mm -hmm. don't go as planned. So yep. I'm still a little bit nervous about machine, uh, you know, computers operating heavy machinery without a human supervision. Yep. Uh, one of the other stories talks exactly about that. Um, about how expensive this is for these people to come pull this off. Uh, GM has spent $561 million in January, February, and March of 2023 alone just on these driverless cars. So, yeah, there's a lot of testing. It's really expensive. And... 
trying to make these things work with customers is a problem. But I'm trying to find out where the other ones. Oh, here it is. So if you ride uh, in between 10 p.m. and 5.30 p.m., you have to pay for the trip, but only in certain parts of San Francisco, which is another contributing factor for why they're losing so much money because they are not allowed to charge for uh, certain areas. You can see here uh, on the map of how much of the city they're allowed to operate in. So they're moving forward. And again, we're on, the both of us are here in Florida. We don't have access to these yet, but we are the number three state for this. After California, Arizona and Florida are the number, you know, number two and number three states for driverless vehicle permits and everything else like that. So they're coming to Florida soon. Um, just not sure when. You're just not anxious for this to happen, are you? No, not really excited <laughs> about it. See, I would love <laughs> if my car could do this. I could get in the morning. Yeah. Press the work button, sit there. I could do my emails. I could read my book. I could just get here, get to the library, get out of the car. I mean, I don't know. How do, the, how do these uh, these automated cars, how do they deal with, like, super slow drivers, aggressive drivers? Well, they follow all the rules. So okay. that's the problem. That's that's where some people dislike So they'll probably them. get rear-ended by some of the aggressive drivers in Florida, and I imagine there's some it in depends. California. It depends. Maybe. Again, that's why we don't have flying cars because nobody can drive in two dimensions. Just, to make, just <laughs> yes, imagine I'm so if glad we don't give have them a third cars. dimension. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't really trust people on the road. I certainly am not yeah. trust them flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's other one other two other big stories, but one one that just hit like everybody I think in their news feeds was GM kills the Bolt. They were supposed to phase out the Bolt, which is their electric vehicle. They're smallish. I mean, it's not a tiny car. It's a compact car. Um, I have one of these. It's great. I've got 22,000 miles on mine in just over a year and a half. So, yeah, no, these are amazing cars. And they were supposed to go to shut them down at the end of last year, but they had such a backlog of inventory of, rec of purchasing that they had to fulfill that they've decided to make it until November of this year. And they made it official earlier this week at one of the auto shows that they will no longer make the bolt. Uh, there's two different models of it. And that's because they're moving to a different battery configuration, a different platform as they call it for what they're using um, both as an electrical pack on it, the, uh, steering, et cetera, the motors are all going to be on a new thing. So rather than trying to refit the bolt to fit that, they're just going to kill off the bolt and move on to a new vehicle. Which is partly because of these new uh, economy standards that have to go out. And that's why everybody's looking at buying electric vehicles because of those um, things. I've got a friend who uh, works uh at an engineering company, they actually designed the electric buses that Broward County uses. And he said, you know, you don't have to go to electric. Anybody could rebuild a car anywhere in the United States to fit these standards. You don't have to do electric, but you have to move from 40 miles per gallon to over a hundred miles per gallon 
to pull that off to meet these standards. So that's why if it seems like everybody is going to electric, that's why. They just yeah. feel that the engineering is so much easier to go to an electric vehicle than to try and redo your gas engine again to try and figure this out. It's really, really interesting to see. Um, see, people say it's not a design center. It, it looks like a perfectly fine car to me. Yeah, I think it looks attractive. I mean, and, and me personally, I don't never really cared about what the car looks like on the outside. I'm always I'm inside the car. I'm not outside the car. So that's that's what I'm always more worried about is getting those kinds of things. So I think that it was a really nice car. It has been a really nice car. This is my second Bolt, actually. Oh, and nice. Yeah. And, uh, now, how do you charge it? Do you have a hook up to your house? house? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, oh, I just plug it into like a in your, regular in outlet garage? in the garage. Not oh, wow. any fancy to anything. You can have a 220 outlet if you want to and go. But, no, I get um, – I go around 37 miles a day, a round trip from w home to work and back. Mm -hmm. And – it can recharge that on the basic trickle charge. You're just plugging it into the wall. It takes nice. about, uh, I think like nine and a half, 10 hours to recharge for that 30 miles. Did it, did it increase your electric bill at home at all? Yes. Or just a little By bit? About a dollar 25 a month or something like that. It's, it's oh, a ridiculously okay. low number. So not by much. No. Okay. It, and that's kind of the trick is I own, I'm charging just like having the vacuum cleaner plugged in for nine hours. That's basically what I'm doing. Unlike yeah. having that 220 outlet where you've got a you know full kind of dryer and you're plugged in and you're drawing more power off of the grid to charge faster and things. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to several people about this and we've all thought about buying electric vehicles in the future, but price was definitely a major concern. Yeah. The, the EV vehicles are about 10 or 20 grand more. On average, yeah, it depends on how well, right? Without those compared to similar, yep, um, you know, gasoline or hybrid vehicles, yeah. like, and then I've it heard is. people debating about hybrid vehicles, like maybe we shouldn't, you know, people shouldn't be getting as many hybrid vehicles. But the cool thing about a lot of the hybrid vehicles is usually you can get like, you know, over, you know, maybe fifty miles to the gallon. Yeah, and that's you know, so they yeah. have much to go yeah. from fifth. They go from fifteen to a hundred. Yeah, it's not yeah. happening. So they're just not going to make the car and they're going to go electric. Yeah. Which the final piece of the puzzle for GM is they're going to build all the battery plants. They're basically moving the battery plants from South Korea to the United States. Because currently a lot of the batteries that are in electric vehicles here in the United States, other than Teslas, are built in South Korea and shipped to the United States and installed. Um, some are built in Japan also, but those mostly go for Nissan. And so this is going to be one of those things where they're going to just create these huge battery plants, um, $3 billion plants, uh, to go in and, and make it happen in Georgia. So I think that's a great idea. This, I'm Detroit, glad. this is like, yeah. this is everywhere in the country is going to have manufacturing like this. And you were I think that's a great idea because what if there's ever another pandemic or supply uh -huh. chain issues? We need batteries. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so I don't, I think that's good that we're diversifying that and having some of the batteries manufactured in the United States so that we don't have all the eggs in one basket. 
Because, yeah. I mean, the possibility of another pandemic is very real. A completely different pandemic could happen because oh, it, it will happen. Yep. global temperatures, um, the international travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And yeah, somebody somebody in the uh, chat men, uh, brings up that the EV Hummers are just way too big. And yeah, that is a whole nother show to talk about dangerous sized vehicles because that much mass, that much speed, that tall. Yeah, you could yeah. do some serious damage to other vehicles and yeah. just people I mean, don't honestly, stand Honestly, I don't think the Hummer should have ever been a civilian vehicle. I think it should have just been a military vehicle. It's so big. I I do not understand why people, mostly men, feel a need to drive big, huge vehicles. Because I think even a truck, a big truck, would be slightly safer than a Hummer. <laughs> like Hummers yeah. just look like a military vehicle to me. They look like they they look very dangerous, even more. Yeah, than yeah, yeah, a yeah, big yeah. Truck. Tell me, Selena, what's going on out there at your branches? Out, let, let give a give us a plug. What's happening out there? Uh, so. I'm excited because I'm doing ebook classes again because you know how I love ebooks. So uh, at Gold Ocean and Imperial Point, uh, you know, and then at Gold Ocean uh, we have we just started a new program, um, the French language matinee. Uh, we have a lot of people at Gold Ocean. You know, maybe some of them are Canadian or they have French in their background or something, and so we have a lot of people at the Gold Ocean Mile Reading Center that like what like to spe practice speaking French and to watch movies in, uh, in, fr in the French language. Uh, so, you know, we started that French movie matinee. And then, as I say, I'm doing ebook classes at Imperial Point and IP and during the month of May, uh, you know, and I'm planning on, you know, maybe adding some other classes in the future. Excellent. Uh, just because I know, like, you know, the ebook stuff is always a challenging depending on the device. I've noticed, you know, with, with Libby, which is our biggest, mm -hmm. uh, formerly known as Overdrive uh, or Libby by Overdrive, um, basically the Overdrive app is being phased out and less and less people are going to be able to use yep. the Overdrive app if you haven't already Libby installed it. Libby and Palace are the ways to go. Yeah, exactly. So in, in Palace, you know, you could add other stuff besides Libby. Like I think it's also on Hoopla, maybe Access yep. 360 yep. and stuff to Palace, uh, you know. But I find that with Libby, it's really compatible with um, the Android and Apple devices. But sometimes, depending on what Kindle device, ebook reader that people have, they run into some challenges. Yeah. And that's uh, why the library is here, folks. We're here to help. You can yeah. call us on the phone, reach us out by email, or just come on into the branch and see all the new things that we got going on around here. Yeah, because you can you also so. get help with the reference desk, too. You don't always have yeah. to go to a class. Exactly. But if you really want that more one-on-one -on -one or small group instruction or more in-depth assistance, you know, taking a class would be very helpful. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Miss Selena. Always fun. See, this is what we got to keep these tech things going. You're going to be replacing me one of these days. <laughs> yeah, I like your job. You have a lot of fun toys. I do have a lot of fun stuff out here. If there is a a person, a branch, or a library staff member you'd like to see featured on the show, reach out, creationstation at broward.org, and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you, Bob.